Where can you find hope when life doesn't seem to be fair? That seems to be a question that a lot of people are asking these days, and not just when we look at the events going around and around our nation, but also as we look at our own family lives and personal lives. You know, where can we find hope where things just seem to not be going fair, things seem to not be going just? David talks about that and gives us some hope in the psalm we're looking at today, which is Psalm chapter 9. We looked at the first few verses last week, and we're going to look at a few more today, but I'll tell you what's going on in Psalm chapter 9. David, for no reason of his own, for not because he did anything wrong or bad, just because of who he is, was being chased by enemies. We don't really know exactly which enemies they were, but... He had this happen to him multiple times in his life. And he, he was seeing that rightly as a product of it being an injustice against him just because of who he is. And so he calls out to God and he names in these verses, verses 3 through 10 of chapter 9 of Psalms, the places that you and I can find hope when our lives seem to not be fair too. And the first of these hopes is this, that God is the ultimate judge who will judge righteously and equally. He says here and said, verse 4, that for you have maintained my just cause, you have sat on the throne judging righteously. And again, he says in 7 and 8, for the Lord abides forever, he established his throne for judgment, and he will judge the world in righteousness, he will execute judgment for the people with equity. You see, right now, because sin's in the world, we the world looks distorted and, and there is injustice in this world. And the world does have things that happen to us that aren't fair. But the Bible tells us that one day Jesus Christ is going to return. And when he returns, he's going to set up his throne for judgment. And the great thing about Jesus and God being our judge is we don't have to worry about God being biased. We don't have to worry about God being racist. We don't have to worry about... God not having all the facts or not having all the evidence. We can be confident that God is going to judge with equity. He's going to judge rightly. He's going to always make the right decisions. And so we can find hope in a world that's not fair in the fact that one day Jesus is going to return. And when he returns, he's going to judge everybody for what they do. And the judgment is going to be correct. It's going to be right. It's going to be fair going to be equal it's going to be unbiased every single time and the second place to put your hope is in the knowledge that one day when he does come that he'll blot out the strength and reputation of our enemies he says in verses five through six but you have rebuked the nations you have destroyed the wicked you have blotted out their name forever and ever the enemy has come to an end in perpetual ruin you have uprooted their cities the very memory of them has perished so the idea here is not just that uh, the people who are unjust to David, the people who are unjust to us, the people who have been wicked, people who have opposed God. It's not just that they will perish, but their very memory of them and their and the things they leave behind are going to be wiped away too. It says that their name, in other words, who they were, the memory of them is going to be blotted out forever. The cities that they've established, the uh, achievements they've had, the stuff they wanted to leave behind, they're going to be uprooted. And even that will perish as well. And it's in, in a time like us, we almost cringe at that, but it's 
It's a comfort to know for us when we've experienced an injustice to know that one day God's going to get that justice and those people who have been improper, those people who've been wicked and who have been acting unfairly are going to get their due. And so we can find hope in knowing that God is the equal righteous judge. We can find hope in knowing that those people who do are unjust and are wicked will be blotted out. And we can find hope finally in the fact that those who seek God are going to be able to be in his throne room forever. He says in verses 9 and 10, The Lord also will be a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. He says, who is going to be with God in this time? It says those who know God's name, those who put their trust in God, those who have seek God. And the New Testament, we learn what that means. That means placing your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because he died on the cross for your sins. For those of us who have been covered by the blood of Jesus, we can find hope in time of inequality and in that when Jesus comes back again, we'll be the ones who'll be able to stand in his throne room forever. We'll be the ones who'll be able to celebrate in his righteous judgments and he'll judge equally and judge in our favor because Jesus Christ paid the price for us. And so we can find hope in knowing not just that God is the righteous does, not just that uh, the wicked and the unjust will be blotted out, but also in those of us who are passionately seeking Christ, that we'll be able to be with him forever in his throne room and in his glory. So how about you? How does thinking about God as being the righteous and unbiased judge help you when you seems like things are not going fairly? I'd love to hear from you. Comment down below. What makes the Bible so different from every other book that's out there? That's what we're going to be looking at today. And see, there is a lot of books out there. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are writing stuff claiming they know what to do to help you. There's a lot of people maybe making YouTube videos saying they have the right answer. Politicians putting up campaign ads. There even is other books that claim to be religious books. But what makes the Bible stand out? What makes the Bible so different and so much more powerful than all these other books? That's what it is looking out here. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 4 looking at verses 11 through 13. And let me remind you what's going on here. He was talking about previously to this that there's a potential for believers to enter, for people to enter God's rest. But we have to be diligent to do that. We have to make sure we trust the Lord, that we continue to have faith in the Lord, that we're pushing forward and following the Lord, and that we don't slide back into sinfulness and, and also slide back into apathy in our relationship with God so that we achieve his rest, whatever that is. And he warns then first in verse 11, therefore let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through the following the same example of disobedience. In other words, the deciding factor between whether you find God's rest or not is whether or not you're trusting in God and following God and obeying God as he says in scripture or not. 
And so that leaves the question with scripture, what makes it so powerful to change our hearts and so powerful to convict us? And we see in verse 12 then that the, there is power in scripture, like in, unlike any other book, divine power to expose us, to expose us even down to the core in ways that we can never even imagine. He says, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So he says, it's like a sword, a two-edged sword. In other words, it has the power to penetrate into us and to cut us both ways, cut us going in and it has power to cut us going out. He calls the Bible living. In other words, it's not a dead book about past people. It's not a dead book about things that are not relevant to anymore to us anymore. It's living. It breathes. It it adapts to us. It it relates to us in every generation in every situation we have. He says it's active. In other words, this is not a book that uh, sits around. <laughs> When you read it and it's passive, it's it goes after us, it, it shakes us. When we read it, it it launches at us. And we feel that. I don't know about you guys, but I can feel that living in activeness when I read scripture. You know, when I'm when I'm talking to somebody and I need encouragement, it is encouraging when I receive a word. But if somebody quotes quotes scripture to me, man, I, for there's something about hearing that encouraging word from scripture. That just feels so much more hopeful than just mere words from a person. And it's the same way with conviction. You know, if somebody is convicting me with something, they're just talking to me. That's one thing. But if they quote scripture to me, I mean, it, it cuts to the core. It hurts when there's scripture applied to it. That's because it's living and active. Unlike other books, unlike other people's words. He says it's even able to go down to the vision of soul and spirit to joints and marrow and judge even the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Before, without getting to any of the details of that, the specifics there, the real point is that God's work can go so far and even to the places that in the recesses of our hearts that we can't see and the recesses of our lives that we don't even know about. And it can touch us there, even to our motivations and our intentions of what we're doing that we're not even aware of. Our biases and our prejudices that we're not even aware of. Scripture can go all the way to that and hit us with it. That's the power of Scripture that it has and no other book has because it's the power of Scripture that's connected to the power of God. Who's living and active and able to penetrate our hearts. But not only does scripture remind us the power of scripture because of that, we should also be reminded of scripture and its power because God, we're going to give account to him for how we treat scripture and how we have reacted to scripture and followed scripture. He says in finally 13, and there is no creature hidden from his, probably Christ, his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him, probably Christ, with whom we have to do or have to give an account. The image here is of us, he says, the creature is hidden from his sight, but all things are open. That word open is the word for being naked. We're, we're totally exposed to God. We can't hide anything from him. Well, we think we're doing stuff, but nothing is hidden from him. When Christ looks at us, when God looks at us, we are totally 
exposed to him and we are laid bare, which is the word that was used in wrestling when somebody lifts up their head and their neck is exposed to the other wrestler to take them down. So we are, we are totally exposed to Jesus. We are totally helpless before Jesus. We are totally defenseless before Jesus for whom we one day will have to give an account for how we treated God's word. And honestly, that should scare us a little bit. That should give us a little bit of fear. That should give us a little bit of awe and, and kind of shock us a little bit into realizing maybe we need to do what the guy is saying here in Hebrews and that be diligent to work hard and do what we can. But it also, I think, should remind us just how thankful we are for Christ. Because if, if we were honest with ourselves... And as we read scripture and it pierces into our, even our thoughts and our tensions and our hearts and our lives are exposed to them and our necks are laid bare, we know, all of us know that none of us will be able to be flawless before God. None of us will be perfect before God. We're all going to have some kind of sin stains before God. In other words, we're not going to any of us be able to meet God's muster. That should make us all the more thankful that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. To cleanse us when we're disobedient to God. And to allow us to enter God's throne room even though we have failed to treat God and treat his word like we should. And so spend some time today just thanking Jesus for what scripture means to us, the power it has for us. And also thanking Jesus for dying on the cross for our sins. So we don't have to stress out about the fact that we're going to give account to God because we know that Jesus is going to be our advocate on that day. And I would love to hear for you too about what passages encourage you and challenge you. Comment below. Let's share some passages that have really touched your heart over the years. I hope you'll have a great week and I look forward to seeing some of you guys on Sunday.